Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. and welcome back to another episode of Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns and we're here to discuss a variety of topics. Bullying is the big one. But right now, many people are experiencing a host of other problems. Domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, community and family bullying. And, you know, often when I speak with people, I discover that they seem to be having trouble with the people that they're closest to that they're closest to, like their parents or their siblings. People become angry and bitter and just don't realize that there's a choice and it can be just as easy to develop love, joy, peace, and patience as it is to become angry, bitter, and vengeful. Now, this podcast is designed for anyone who wants to have a fuller, more vibrant life and to offer some ideas on how to balance the physical, the mental, the emotional, and spiritual areas of their life. But make no mistake about it, we're anti-bullying 101. And it's truly my hope that we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. And today, I have the pleasure once again of speaking with Toby Carton. Hi, Toby. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am just great. Just great. Uh, even better now that I'm speaking with you. Uh, Toby was on um, a podcast with me that I was doing for the Regional Training Center, and I'll put that link uh, in this episode description so you can listen to that as well. Uh, and Toby is she's an award winning special educator. She's dynamic. She's passionate you know, in terms of sharing her knowledge with others. She's taught students ranging from preschool to the graduate level. You know, she works with school districts across the country and internationally as a staff developer, inclusion coach, and educational consultant. She's an author and adjunct professor. She focuses on creative, practical solutions. And that's, I think, is important for helping all students gain not only access, but also ongoing success in the inclusion classroom. And I will say this as well. Toby and I have been friends for probably 20 years. Uh, And how do I know she's such a great instructor? Because she taught me. Uh, (laughs) She taught me uh, inclusion strategies at work. She trained me to teach that course. And it's because of her that I can can do the job that I do in... uh, when I do work with my students. So Toby, welcome to the show once again. Thank you for being here with us. Jim, thank you so much for that introduction. And I think that um, your introduction kind of defined our collaboration and how as colleagues, we strengthen each other. I might have taught you, but you've taught me as well. And together, we're a team of learners. And together, I think that's the way we have to address and eradicate bullying in any way, shape, or form in I, classrooms and in life, please. That's you're you're a hundred percent right. And you know, we are in a, a very tough point right now in education. We just had another school shooting in St. Louis. Um, there's uh, just problems galore in education. Uh, I look at. Um, my Twitter feed the other day, there's a young special ed kid that gets bullied by 
this gang of kids and they hold him down and shave his head, uh, which is absolutely horrible. And I, I have not really addressed in thinking it through, you know, the, the difficulty that our special education students have in inclusion classrooms. And a lot of it has to do with bullying, but it's so subtle today. You don't, sometimes teachers don't pick up on it. And it, it's just something that continues unnoticed. So what are some of the cause and effects of bullying in an inclusion classroom, Toby? What, what do you see and what do you think is going on? Yeah, yeah, there, there's a lot going on there, like the situations you described with, with shooters and gangs and, and horrific um, circumstances that happen in one moment on one day, but we're built to that moment, right, Jim? So it's like, what what is the cause of that? And that's why this question um, needs to be addressed because that's the ideology of, I don't know, of bullying in, in kind of a way that what purpose does it serve and, you know, to whom and, and, and the effects of it. And, and what you said is, it's true too, because it's subtle, you know, it could be direct, you know, it's what someone said or what you heard or physical, but indirect as well, you know, where it's not, um, you know, not including someone exclusion from an invite or, mm -hmm. you know, and this, and the student is within in the inclusive environment. And at the same time is feeling excluded because somehow whether um, the teacher is aware of it or not, the peers usually are, especially at the upper elementary and secondary levels of like a pecking order. And I, I think that part of this has to be that, you know, in special ed, they have lots of jargon and initials, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, the HIV policy, right? But this is, I'm talking about the ABC. What is the antecedent? of that behavior and what are the consequences achieved, be it positive or negative. And, and I'm also, instead of a, an FBA, a functional behavioral analysis, I'm spinning that to a functional bully analysis, you know, mm. what's causing this, Jim, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the cause and effect. It is detrimental because, you know, students will won't, will, won't want to go to school that leads to uh, poor attendance, you know, truancy, if they're not in school, what are their other choices, gangs, drugs, how do they want to fit in? And so many of these negative messages are internalized. So that's a very uh, negative effect of the bullying in, in, in the short, long answer of it. We could go mm -hmm. on for a lot longer on that one, Jim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, th there is cause and effect. And I think sometimes uh, we, we miss it and we, we don't work on the root cause, but we work more on the symptoms. Uh, and I think that's part of the problem. We have to understand where this all comes from. And to me, it's very intergenerational. Uh, exactly. And, you know, going back to that root thing, and I love flowers, you'll see my website has that all over. And, you know, the thing is that we could nurture goodness, we could nurture um, the positive. And that, mm -hmm. that's something that, you know, we don't have to say the effect has to be negative, but we could intervene with that. And as mm -hmm. you just said, the root cause. Mm -hmm. You know, Toby, uh, I was speaking with... Um, uh, some teachers and I was speaking with some administrators uh, and uh, actually I, I spoke with a, a bunch of folks uh, uh, with the training center not long ago and the question that I had for them was you have bullying you have school shootings you have harassment intimidation now that you know you, you have a school shooting where kids get where kids get killed and you you kind of you quell it and I, like I know at Columbine, uh, basically they tore down the high school because the event was so horrific. They knew the kids would never be able to go back there. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing is kids observe this stuff that goes on. And they may not even be bullied. They may not have even been part of a school shooting. But 
my concern is what do you do with the kids that are left behind after an event, after a kid is bullied and they observe it? How do we teach those kids how to respond correctly? And how do we make the rest of the school and the class feel safe after they've experienced a horrible event where a perpetrator came in and uh, shot up the school? And that has always been my concern. What are we going to do about the kids that are left behind? Because those kids now have, now we're dealing with another handicapping condition, albeit learned uh, through observation and private logic. It's all, but that's, now we've got kids that have post-traumatic stress syndrome that well, we have to deal with. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's uh, trauma-induced, yeah. And, 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 and that is something that, you know, in, in my opinion, and I'm going to stay forever positive, you know, and, and we're going to spin that. We're going to take care of what we can take care of. If we could go back in time and, and stop that shooter from entering the building, that would be my first option, right? And, and, and so instead of saying go back in time, what we need to do as a profession, as, as families, um, communities, what we need to do is be very proactive and front load and front load students with the positive messages, positive actions, that they won't be tempted to join gangs, that they won't be tempted to feel good about themselves by making others feel less about themselves, mm. especially kids within inclusion classrooms who are already feeling stigmatized because maybe they know they have an IEP, they feel they're different, they might be pulled out for work, they might have a teacher who hovers near them. You know, the kids pick up on stuff, but how is that classroom handled? Is that classroom a classroom that values diversity? Is that a classroom that says, hey, everyone here has strengths and let's capitalize on that. You know, the ugly exists, as you mentioned. Unfortunately, I don't want to open up the newspaper and I still get a paper one. I'm old, right? We know each other a long time. And by the way, I think it's going on 25 or 30 years. But anyway, um, back to that point of that, you know, nobody, I don't like the word handicap. No, I, I you know, it, I, I just feel like, you know, your, your, your cap is in your hand and you're begging. That's kind of what it came for. We mm -hmm. shouldn't have to beg for this. We should have to have this as the norm. And I'm really, like you said, um, very passionate about this because, you know, just as negative messages are internalized, so are positive messages. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, you know, saying it has to be all the time. Like I was doing Romeo and Juliet with a high school um, student. I'm a, a coach for a few uh, places here and across uh, the country as well. And, and online, and I was talking about Romeo and Juliet. And I said, no, which character showed the most empathy? right? Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. a child with autism, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them had difficulty. So they had to express empathy in someone else. But what's mm -hmm. wrong with the child who doesn't have an IEP learning about empathy as well, right? Mm -hmm. Right. That's what I mean. I think we need to look at it in um, an inclusion lens that includes students like I have with the inclusion principles, you know, step by step, you know, mm -hmm. positives before negatives, you know, it's more self-awareness, communicating and collaborating. All that is totally essential. Mm. And, you know, I could have used you as a teacher when I was in school. Uh, I, I'll tell you that right now. Maintaining that positive outlook is so important. And once again, you taught me something. So thanks again. Um, yeah, and I think one of the things that I'll share with you is it's kind of like when there's a norm in place, you don't need a rule. Ha, and I love that. You know, and so when there's norms, okay, and it's normal to be kind, it's normal to be respectful, it's normal to be caring, it's normal to yeah. be upset. You don't need any rules that you don't need. You wouldn't need the anti-bullying bill of rights because everyone would be doing it. Um, I don't know, Jim. Yeah, you just reminded me of something. Remember in um, inclusion strategies that work, um, there's an activity where we ask the participants to define normal, like mm -hmm. what's a normal food? What's a normal song, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know 
about you, but I never got anyone in any of the trainings that, you know, chose that same answer, nor did I give a word box because everyone's different. And that's, that's kind of okay. So, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you are uh, looking at this and spinning it even now a little bit more. Thank you. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. Um, and we do have those 18 inclusion principles. Uh, that you you teach in, in your course that we have in our course, uh, the uh, disability uh, inclusion strategies and disability awareness. Um, how can they help reduce bullying? Can, you, know, you don't have to go over all 18, maybe one or two. Sure, sure. That sounds good. You know, um, well, they're on my website. So I welcome everybody to look at that. It's inclusionworkshops.com. I'll give you the exact link. And I have it uploaded three different ways. One is, is a PDF with all of the 18 is one where you could scribe into it as a work doc that you could say, how will you use these, right? Be it, let me just pick uh, one or two now, such as increasing self-esteem. How mm -hmm. will you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, also uh, number 16, setting up a pleasant classroom atmosphere with active mm -hmm. learning. You know, a lot of students like who might tap on the desk when other kids look at them, you know why they're doing that? Because they weren't given a two, one second, maybe movement break, right? Right. Just to prevent that. You know, all kids could use that, whether or not they have hyperactivity. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Right? And, and there's the third version of those principles, which I, I just uploaded uh, this month, which is actually, if you want to find out more, let's say, about how to do increased self-efficacy and self-regulation, there are links that could take you to additional uh, application, along with positive behavioral interventions and supports, which directly relate to bullying, you know? And Jim, sometimes, you know... They, not all kids could hit it head on either. So we have to think about ways that we teach, you know, uh, stories to preschoolers, stories mm -hmm. to middle schoolers and high schoolers differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking with Toby Carton, um, and she is an inclusion expert. And we're discussing ways that we can deal with uh, and help our um, the included students in a in a classroom uh, deal with some of the effects and the events that uh, that are bullying behavior. And uh, Toby's authored and edited more than 30 books and quick reference guides on the topic of co-teaching and inclusion strategies and interventions. She has interactive uh, professional development resources that can help professionals. And she really works real well with students, families, and loves to collaborate with others. Um, we, you know, let's see now, how long ago was this? This is 12 years ago <laughs> uh, when um, Tyler Clemente uh, ended up committing suicide uh, at Rutgers uh, because of some uh, events that violated his uh, privacy and uh, embarrassed him in front of his uh, classmates and his parents. Um, they came up with the, and, and, and one of the things that troubles me from time to time is we have to wait for events to occur before we come up with something. In other words, the state steps in, but in reality, whatever people come up with are basically things that we should have been doing anyway. Like we have the week of the month of October, the week of October is like the week of respect. Uh, you know, well, we, how about like a lifetime of respect, hmm. you know, instead of just this week that we have, but it all came out of the New Jersey anti-bullying bill of rights that we now have that every school district has to follow. And, when you had this anti-bullying Bill of Rights, uh, what happened was uh, every event was a bullying event when it first when they first started to enforce it. How does the anti-bullying Bill of Rights impact inclusion in the classroom? 
Yeah. Um, first off, that that was so horrific what had happened, and um, and 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 unfortunately, there are several events that preceded and followed that event, and you know, um, students um, go through a lot of conflict. Those are the people who are the bullies. Those are the people who are the victims. Those are the families of the bullies. Those are the families of the victims. Those are the professionals, right? And the peers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, well, you know, and like you said, why does there have to be a law, right? Shouldn't it be Mm -hmm. human nature to care for others respectfully? Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes we hear different messages and things are interpreted. Sometimes people have different perspectives for different reasons, And if someone is a little derailed on how to act towards someone else, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Legislation, uh, fortunately, protects those victims, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'd rather instead of students being thought of or the people, the bullies being given the power, I think the power belongs to us all in the form that it's everyone's role and responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the New Jersey Bullying Act, they mentioned something, one of the resources I've looked at from them. They, I love this because they talk about upstanders, right? Mm-hmm. They talk about not... Um, bystanders, but they talk about upstanders. Mm-hmm. And, and that's such a great term. So if you see something, you say something, right? Um, whether you're the person being bullied, whether or not you're just in that environment, you know? And there's so many times that, I don't know about you, but you know, it, you look out for other people, whether they're people you know or strangers. If someone falls in front of me, I'll just say, are you okay? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, um, you know, say something to the people, say something to someone else. And, you know, there needs to be a safe way to do that. And, and I think that um, there needs to be loud and clear messages, you know, and, and, and forms there are procedures like you said so if something does happen nobody has to feel oh no i'm hot my child is hostage in this classroom you know or being intimidated mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah and interestingly enough toby yeah i can remember years ago if a teacher said hey this child has got a bruise on him or whatever the case may be we would have to sit down and we would have to call protective services and, and that type of thing. And th- there was always this fear uh, on the part of the teachers um, and in terms of making that phone call. So I would always be there with them and support them and, and do it with them. But one of the uh, things that I came up with and the lines that I came up with, and I, and I said to the teachers, I said, look, if you hear it or if you see it, you own it. And you have to then figure out what you're going to do with it in terms of trying to help this student out. So if a kid is speaking in terms of what they are going to do after school and you overhear it, you now own that information and you have to do what you can to reach out and discover your resources, uh, maybe get an administration involved to help deal with the problem. So I think that part is important as well. But what I'm going to say now, and I think you know this, I, I absolutely, totally admire your spins on everything and how you can make them so positive. How you can, you can, you can, you can make lemonade out of lemons. You can do it. And, 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 and just in speaking with you, I mean, I, I know right now my family's going to benefit from this conversation that I had with you because I'm not going to, I'm going to be much more positive today, at least today, than I have been in the past. So they're going to figure out, they're going to try and figure out what went on here. Um, but thank you for that. Thank, uh, you, for thank that. you for sharing that perspective, Jim. I, I so appreciate that. Well, it's, it's, it's in your DNA and that's obvious. So thank you so much. Now, one of the things that you do very well is collaborate with the groups of professionals, families, students, and so on. Uh, And how can, through the collaboration and everything else, how can we send clear messages to teachers, to, to parents, 
th that encourages inclusion of all students in meaningful, productive, and appropriate ways. How can we do that? Yeah, that's quite a mouthful, Jim. Yes. And and that's going to happen in time. That's going to happen not with fabricated uh, curriculum, you know, mm -hmm. even if you have lesson plans. I don't know about you, and I've been teaching in classrooms for a very, very long time. And I, I go now in classrooms and in my coaching role, and I want to sit there forever because I so miss hearing that kid jargon, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's important to listen to our students as yeah. professionals. You know, sometimes it happens in the hallway you know you have kids that have in their ieps that you know they're supposed to transition themselves from class to class but then if someone bullies them in the hallway what do they do do they have the coping skills mm -hmm. why would someone do that and you know as a community we need to have zero tolerance mm -hmm. zero tolerance yeah. for yeah. anyone and we need to say and embrace diversity. And it's not saying, hey, we're going to learn about diversity today, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't occur that way. But it occurs through, uh, you know, characters in history. What character traits did they have? If you're doing U.S. history, if you're doing world history, if you're teaching about, you know, uh, of mice and men, if you're teaching Shakespeare, if you're teaching Langston Hughes, if you're teaching all about students who are different and it's not the main thing they are but the difference is just like one petal of that flower i'm always back to my flowers right mm -hmm. and and that's um you know bibliotherapy books that deal with differences and how we embrace you know diversity in the classroom you know cooperative things not competitive you know intentionally connecting some of the academics to, you know, behavioral, emotional skills and infusing these in the lessons in the classroom that then go home in the community. And hopefully, you know, when students are working side by side, you know, everyone is embraced. I think, you know, I go into so many classrooms and I see a lot of kids with IEPs who are saying and doing inappropriate things. And I see a lot of the kids who don't have IEPs are totally ignoring them, right? Mm -hmm. And even I see kids walking over and helping them because they realize, okay, he or she's not so great at this, but they're really good at art. And I think that's what we need to do is realize and capitalize. And, and I think you're a huge proponent of this too, collaboratively capitalize on each of our strengths as families. If we need help from schools, ask as teachers, if we need to know more about what goes on in the home environment, let's beef up that communication and collaboration and send that loud and clear message that bullying never is, never will be tolerated. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking with Toby Carton. She's an award-winning special educator, dynamic presenter, and she is really passionate. And if you if you've been when you listen to this podcast, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Um, what are you doing these days, Toby? You, you, I know huh. you're I know you're you're doing some coaching. I don't know if you're teaching, it's still teaching. I know you you uh, you you are retired from public education, right? Well, here's the thing. Um, Someone asked me to define the word retirement, and maybe some of your listeners will find this amusing, but um, he told me I didn't retire, I transitioned, okay, which mm -hmm. I think you did as well, mm -hmm. and to something else, and, and, and you're right, I'm working with a lot of school districts as their inclusion coach, and I might model some lessons, I do a lot of professional development, um, majority right now, actually, people are seeing the benefits of doing online mini PD sessions. Mm -hmm. So that's happening. And as well as live campus on campus sessions where I could go either into the classrooms on school sites and also present at uh, conferences nationally and internationally. So um, I, I love what I do. And um, one of the best things I also do these days is I hug my grandson. So that's a fun thing to do. I even found a school that's working in that's 20 minutes away. So that's when life works out, Jim, when you can do what you do and share your passion with others. And, and I've met so many amazing professionals in the field 
and they're just like ready to soak up and help our next generation of learners to accept diversity in themselves and to accept diversity in others. You know, it needs to be inclusion societies, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's easier said than done. And, and uh, you know, the application is out there. So thank you for being a voice mm -hmm. that's bringing this message. And hey, I am going to be starting a podcast come January. You want to be a guest, Jim? Of course, of course. You, okay, you, great. I have all these witnesses that you said, of course, of course. It's going to be something <laughs> to the tune of inclusion conversations and collaborations. So thank you for agreeing to come on. And uh, I would love for you to share your perspectives on bullying. So I think that kind of also defines your last question about collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Uh, 100%. And as an aside, uh, I don't know if I shared it with you during our last chat that uh, I am now a uh, officially a grandfather. Uh, congratulations. Uh, isn't that nice? I have a um, she's gonna, I think she's gonna be 12, 12 weeks old. Oh, um, so new. Love uh, it. My middle daughter, Grace, she had a, she had a baby girl. She's down in Florida. We don't see her quite as much as we'd like, but we've spent quite a, quite a bit of time down there during the, um, uh, when we were planning for her baby shower. And then other times we all, we went down, uh, Pat went down, um, first and I went down and we're probably going to be going down again pretty soon, but, uh, I'm very happy. She's a beautiful baby, beautiful baby as I all babies that. are. I love that. And I love that we continue to share these wonderful chapters with each other. And now we could share with the audience as well. Yeah, it, it really is really is exciting. Um, Toby, I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough, uh, for being on the show. Um, uh, would you share, I mean, I'm going to put all this in the episode description in terms of email and websites and so on, but would you share your um, website with, uh, with the folks? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, to it's my, well, first of all, my email is Toby, T-O-B-Y, at inclusionworkshops, that's plural, dot com. Right. And my email is basically the same. It's inclusionworkshops.com. Okay. There you go. So all of that will be in this episode description. Hopefully folks will click on it. Um, and is there any, uh, you have books on Amazon. I'm sure I could put a link to your, do you have an author's page on Amazon? Uh, yes, Jim, I do. I do have an author's page. All right. So maybe we'll get that up there too. Uh, for uh, the folks to uh, have access to s some of those terrific resources. Uh, my name is Jim Burns. Uh, we've been, and you're listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I have Toby Carton with me, a dear friend, colleague, an absolute expert in um, uh, inclusion strategies and uh, one of the most positive people I know. And I thank you, Toby, for for being on the show. I hope that we could do it again, one way or the other, either on your show or mine, but you're, you're always welcome on anti-bullying 101. You share so much. Everything's great. And I thank you. And Jim, if I could just say thank you. And I learned from you as well. And what do you mean if we do another broadcast, you agreed to come on. All right. Oh, well, I, was, I was talking about, well, right. <laughs> I will be on your show. You okay. can take that to the bank. Did everyone it's hear? Our. I will be on your show, <laughs> on your um, on your podcast, and I look forward to it. But as for now, thank you, Toby, so much, and I wish you the best. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye now.
Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and we're here to discuss a variety of topics. Bullying's the big one, but right now many people are experiencing a host of other problems. Domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, community and family bullying. And, you know, often when I speak with people, I discover that they seem to be having trouble with those that are closest to them, like their parents or their siblings. People become angry and bitter and just don't realize that there's a choice that they can make. And it's just as easy to develop peace and patience as it is to be angry, bitter, and vengeful. So this podcast is designed for anyone who wants to have a fuller, more vibrant life and to offer some ideas on how to balance the physical, the mental, the social, emotional, and even the spiritual areas of their life. But make no mistake about this. We are Anti-Bullying 101, and it's truly my hope we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. And today I have with me Tyler Copenhaver Heath. Tyler, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes, Tyler. You know, and I, I just wanted to welcome you quickly to make sure that I could hear you correctly. Are you hearing me okay? Yeah, things okay. are great. Okay, terrific. And Tyler, you know, is a, a very successful entrepreneur uh, who kind of rose above the fray uh, and became, you know, um, from disadvantaged to very successful. He he, he learned what it took to be successful in the world of small business. He has an MBA behind his name in, uh, and the formal scientific experience of biochemistry as his undergrad. Uh, Tyler, he has also cultivated a multidisciplinary master, master that helps him think outside the box, which I think is important by today's standards. And in 2013, he started his first company, Apex Customs with a lifelong friend, and they scaled their business into Arizona's top leading custom automotive shop with household name clients such as Rolling Stones, NFL, CNN, and more. And I'm going to tell you more about him as we move through the, the podcast, but he is a published author. Uh, he, does, he has his own podcast. He is a world adventurer. Uh, so that sounds exciting. MMA cornerman. Love to hear more about that. And he has previously held small city offices and volunteered for the children's home and for an animal shelter. You're a pretty busy guy. <laughs> yeah, I like to keep busy and I'm consistently curious, I like to think. And so my curiosity gets me into a lot of different things, luckily. As long as it get, doesn't get you into a lot of different trouble, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've almost died traveling the world like probably five times now. And so it does get me into trouble, but I get out of it uh, enough to tell a story and, you know, go back for more. So, well, well, I'll tell you right now, the world is lucky you stayed alive. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so right now, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you're doing right now. You're in California now, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh huh. And what time is it there now, anyway? Because we were grappling with the time, and I'm just wondering what time it is. Yeah, it's actually 10 a.m. now, which is confusing for me because I was just in Arizona all weekend for meetings, and I came back here, and the time change sprung on me, and so you know, just another variable to work with this week. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're we're good though with the time. So tell me just a little bit about what you're doing, like right now, within the last you know maybe month or two. Yeah, no, glad to do it. Um, so over the last two years, um, I've been, uh, you know, kind of taking a break a little bit, but then taking a break for me isn't, I guess, um, I guess I get told like a normal human would. And, and so, um, so I've been doing a lot around small business stuff. Um, and so I've been helping and kind of traveling all over the place. If somebody's struggling with their small business and I come in and I try to help them, you know, a lot of times save their small business or I make a lot of time these days to talk to ideation entrepreneurs. So those are people in the idea phase, you know, usually a younger type of entrepreneur and I help mm -hmm. them kind of navigate some pitfalls. Mm -hmm. And so I donate, that's all pro bono work. I do donate, donate my time. I'll fly wherever I need to, to try to save a business these days. Um, 
We also wrapped our first season of Bully This, uh, Hero's Journey, which is our podcast around bullying. My um, co-host is a UFC fighter who was a bullied kid. And we basically interview people that had been bullied and now are successful. And we find that they have these certain, um, you know, kind of frameworks, tendencies, and we're hoping by pulling those kind of back out of them um, on what made them successful, what made them able to navigate this gauntlet that is those younger, harder years, we're hoping that it helps parents, helps kids, that sort of stuff kind of um, help with the bully dilemma. Mm -hmm. And it is a dilemma and it is a problem. And I call it an epidemic. I um, agree. I couldn't agree more in yeah. so many different ways. Oh, boy, I tell you. And I, I've been at this uh, since before Columbine. Wow. Uh, that's how long I've, I've been doing this. Uh, not not the pod. Well, the podcasting I've been doing for about uh, – I was doing podcasting before it was the thing to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I enjoyed doing it. Now, you have developed other brands such as such as Illicit Supplements and Blink Mattress. Uh, and you believe that success is more than just business. Uh, so you've got a you've got kind of like a character piece in there. I'm smelling that um, <laughs> where in terms of being successful, you have to be a successful person before you can be a successful professional. Does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I came from, you know, kind of an underprivileged background and, you know, a little bit different circumstances. And so I, I have a huge passion around helping people kind of break that mindset. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of navigating that. And that actually gets me into the bully dilemma a little bit. It gets me into the bullying of small businesses that happens these days, you know, and so it is a mindset, you know, there is a popper mindset out there. But if you can beat that mindset, then adversity is proven to be uh oh. Not IQ even. So I spent a lot of time on, you know, kind of that analysis. Our um, podcast has helped, you know, with that. What I thought was the bullying dilemma and what I thought was the way to help with it is actually completely different than what I've come out with after the first season. And I'm sure I'll continue to grow as we do a second season. Mm -hmm. I myself have been bullied as well. Um, and through a lot of it, uh, I think we our strengths and weaknesses yeah. i think we the we discover what we're afraid of yeah and looking to try and overcome some of those fears we discover that we don't like confrontations i did anyway sure uh, because you didn't want to be embarrassed and you didn't want to lose one what did you learn about yourself through the podcast that you're doing on bullying you know, the number one thing is going to be the most ironic thing is I never knew I was bullied. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we define bullying as, you know, like this thing we see on Sunday afternoon specials where the, you know, the kids get bullied, you know, and I, I actually didn't have a real problem with kid bullies. You know, I'm sure I had my run in here or there, but I actually got bullied by our teachers and I didn't even realize that until we had done the podcast that actually came out through the podcast so i started to navigate more learning about myself through you know it's funny you try to help other people and you're like we got to stop this this is horrible i saw that documentary bully and i was just sickened by it. and i'm like i literally was going to go ride the bus with the kids mm -hmm. and i'm like well how efficient is that and you're a businessman you know what can you do that's better you know and i i there was a process to it but we landed on the podcast and you know i've learned and grown just as much as you know probably more so than our users by doing it, you know, mm -hmm. like, and so, um, so yeah, it, there's, there's definitely a learning experience there. It's helped me, you know, cross some bigger bridges in mind, you know, when I knew this was a thing, then I, you know, started, you know, working on some other things in my life that I didn't realize, um, I was dealing it with, mm -hmm. you know, so, so you set out to help others and you actually learn about yourself. Um, so that was number one. And then, you know, I'm really fascinated by this idea of what third parties can do and what they can't do, right? And so psychology has a lot of times, and I don't wanna to go to the worst example, but I guess it's in my head right now. It's like, we'll literally watch somebody get stabbed to death right in front of us, you know? And since nobody else is doing anything, the herd doesn't do anything. And I'm not trying to go to the dramatic, but the th same thing happens with bullying. And what we find is that third party, that voice of reason, that voice that says, hey, this isn't cool, you know? And not only that, but getting a kid, a community, Tyler, you know, those two, you those know, are the things I, that I, I really take away from the first. Originally, I wanted to get them all involved. Yeah, sorry. 
please do. I have yeah. to interrupt you. We have a little we have a little crackling in the background. I believe it's on your end, and you have cut out uh, twice on me, um, but not for long, okay. for maybe like ten seconds. So I'm just wondering if yeah. uh, we have to get you. Maybe you have to get into a little better spot uh, or. Um, move around a little bit and i hate to even bring this up but but i, I want to make sure the interview goes well yeah yep let me see here what i can do there i do hear that actually let me do this bear with me one second certainly But we still have some crackling, don't we? Well, uh, now you you sound far louder. Uh, I don't hear any crackling, though. Okay, all right. It's funny. Um, so what I just did was switch from all my expensive gear to my cheap stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> if that, if this works better. Well, I'm there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the way it goes. So we'll, we'll yeah. Hopefully, we'll continue, and I I I will promise you, guarantee you. If there's any real issues with the podcast, you and I can do it again. So I'm not worried about that. All right. Okay. So yeah, sorry we, about that. We, 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 I will schedule time like tomorrow to do it again if there's a real problem with it. Um, okay. So uh, let's see. There's a few other things that I really wanted to, to speak with you about. How did you get into being an MMA corner man? You know, that, uh, that literally was just something I, I kind of picked up in, um, you know, over the years, I started out by boxing a little bit. Um, and then I got involved really, uh, a lot with a community, great community, which is, uh, Arizona combat sports in Arizona. Um, and from there I, uh, you know, was training a ton about 26 times a week, you know, still going to college at times, uh, even my first couple of years in business, I was still training about that much. Um, I'm lucky to have some great friends that are great training partners. And I was actually asked to be a quarterman for the world travels. Mm -hmm. So when, uh, when a fighter would come up with uh, something they were going to do overseas, like we went to Chechnya, we went to Europe. Um, so when they were coming up with these trips, then I would get invited to go. And, you know, I would be the kind of the sparring partner for whoever was fighting. And then also, you know, assist the coach outside the ring. So it was an incredible experience. I'd love to keep doing it. Unfortunately, my black back doesn't allow it anymore, so they don't ask me anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, mm -hmm. you always hope. <laughs> right? Where Where are you originally from, anyway? You know, it's it's difficult. So my parents are from Michigan, um, and my dad. I'm pretty vocal about his background now, but my dad was a, um, a drug dealer who ended up going to jail couple different times total of 12 years and so we traveled a ton when i was a kid we went i went through nine different schools in first grade alone um sometimes we'd be with grandma in michigan you know and then my dad would get out and then he'd take us we took, went to utah for a while we were in colorado for a while california you know so we were all over the place i don't even know where to define that i'm from these days mm. <laughs> okay i got that part i was trying to i was trying to uh I could always remember they used to say that the people that do the news, they send them to Cleveland, Ohio to lose their accent. And, ah. and I was trying to figure <laughs> out your accent. Uh, and I didn't know if it was Boston or New Jersey or where it was in Michigan. I'm not sure of the accents in Michigan, but nonetheless, you know, you, you answered the question. So that's fine. What, you know, it, here, here's something interesting. Um, and you said you had watched the money, the, the movie Bully. Yeah. Um, and so did I. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is I watched it in a the movie theater. Oh, wow. And, and it was shown in a small theater uh, where I lived. And I took my daughter, who was very young, um, and, and I was involved with this, with bullying at the time. And we were the only people in the theater. Wow, we were the only people there watching this movie, and to me, it was like, "This is what's wrong. Nobody's paying attention to this." Totally, they're not looking at this and saying, "Wait, wait, this is a big problem." And if they watched that movie, they would say it's a, an even bigger problem, and it was a bigger problem with schools and supervision and helping kids become resilient and parents, and the list could go on. But 
nonetheless, what have you learned about the problem uh, since you've been involved with it as much as you have? You know, and I try not to go down this road too much um, with it, but I can't help it sometimes because you're, you're, you're telling me about an open theater on an important subject, right? You know, and so like it, it brings up into me passions, you know, I, I'm passionate about this. That's why I try to help with it. And so, you know, everybody is willing to throw their hat in the ring at the pot boil over point, you know, when we have a huge tragedy, you know, and I don't like to talk about the worst stuff. And I'm sorry to do this on your podcast, but bullying can result into teen suicide can result into mass shootings, you know, and those those are too late, right? Those are big problems that like they happen. And then like, we, we all want to weigh in at that point, mm -hmm. but when we can actually fix some problems, when we can actually pay attention and that's what the biggest resources on the world now is content, right? And all we have to do is pay attention to something to make an impact with it. You know, mm -hmm. where you vote your time and attention is bigger than giving money to it these days, because guess what? Then like some anti-bully group can start a YouTube channel. They can monetize that. They can raise some but at the same time, they can raise some funding for maybe psychologists. Let's get in at a, a base level instead of the pot boil over point and change something. And, and you're right. People aren't paying enough attention to the problem until the problem becomes these horrific, you know, disasters. And then people, then it's too late to fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, I have, uh, I have three daughters, um, one's 32, one's 26 and one, my wife and I, uh, she's adopted from Ethiopia. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, she's here and she's been, she, we, she was adopted when she was about eight months. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm dad. Uh, That's awesome. Mom's mom. Um, she is the most gorgeous kid you're ever going to see. I mean, and... Yeah. The, the thing is, before I adopted her, I paid very little attention to drinking water. Mm. And mm -hmm. uh, really, you know, yeah. I, mean, I saw Matt Damon advertise something for the, a chalice. You get a nice chalice to provide people with um, drinking water, uh, pure drinking water that they can have. And I discovered through my doing a little homework about Ethiopia and what her father go, went through, her, her, her mother passed away during childbirth. Um, they have to walk six miles to irrigate their fields to get water. Yeah. They don't have water. Nope. And things, and unless there is awareness about stuff like that, I get a thing in the mail every, every Christmas where we can buy a heifer for a village that will feed, yeah. will feed them for six months. Yeah. And these are the things that people don't see. That they, they, they often look at it and say, well, what can I do? Well, yeah. here's some stuff that you can do. You know, you can, you can maybe provide uh, some opportunity for the, uh, the kids to be able to get clean water, maybe better food, you know, and so on, on your own level. And I think that's, uh, Tyler, I think that's something that's, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, Tyler. Uh, that's something that's so important. What can we do at our own level? Because I think, oh, absolutely. I think people see things as this monumental issue. And what can I do? That went out. Yeah. And it, it becomes getting educated around it first, you know, and that's why I'm so big on education and awareness. There needs to be people out there like you right now, spreading the word through your podcast about things that are going on. I really got involved with, you know, how do you help Africa, right? And I, I, I watched a documentary called Poverty Inc. And then I read a book, How Helping Hurts. And we can't just drop a ton of rice over in Africa and solve the issue. We've got to solve, like you're talking about, there's a good documentary on uh, Bill Gates too, where he's approaching the water issue by actually approaching the sanitation issue mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So not, not say like not having uh, sanitation is actually ruining the water and causing this problem too. Um, and then you've got somebody like, so my cousin, he runs one of our family farms, you know, and it's a generational farm. It's always been handed down. He actually don't, don't I don't want to misquote him, but I want to say he's one of the most foremost authorities in the world now on milk cows. And so he does actually breed at his milk ranch 
he, he builds them to be stronger and produce more milk, right? Because he wants mm -hmm. uh, very strong, um, sourceful cows. And so then what he does is he goes over to Africa and he helps train them to do the same thing, artificial insemination techniques and that sort of stuff. And so the answer is not always I'm the, you know, foremost authority in the world on cows, but what are you good at, you know? And so, and like, what little way can you help? And you're right. If it's buying a cow for somebody, not many, we're lucky enough to live in the country where, you know, we have a little extra income lesson sometimes to buy a cow if that's what we can do to help, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100%. My name is Jim Burns. You're listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I'm talking to Tyler Copenhaver Heath and his real passion. And I mean this, folks. I could tell it by just by speaking with him is helping others succeed. And over the past two years, he's traveled across the country and offered pro bono, pro bono consulting for over 60 new struggling entrepreneurs. Uh, and my hat's off to you on that one to travel around for nothing to help people is something that uh let's see it can be tough to do i mean uh, so you you have probably figured out a way to sustain yourself and do what you have to do because you, you really do want to help people succeed and i i'll say it um i don't know how old you are um, I, I have a, a, a guy that comes around the house who helps me do things. He's 32. I love him to death. He's like my son. Um, but I, I'm not sure how old you are. And I tell him this all the time. I'm very proud of you. I'm very yeah. proud of you. I'm proud of the work that you're doing. And, and I mean that sincerely, Tyler. Yeah, um, no, I really appreciate it. Um, well, I think we answered this question. Why is it? Why do we think this is a problem worth spending time on? I mean, I think, I think we got that one, in, uh, you know, in the books. You know, what yeah. is it? Why the collateral you know, nature of it? Yeah, that's a that's an it's, absolutely great point. That's a great. We don't think of the collateral damage. No, you know, we think of you know the individual damage. But you know, when you think of one kid who was bullied, who we who or um, yeah, one kid who was victimized, yeah, and he he never overcame. And this is why I mentioned this in my introduction. Uh, people become angry and bitter, and they just don't realize that there's a choice that they can make, and it's just as easy to develop love, joy, and peace. But not everybody can do that. Yeah. And when you say when you say collateral. When someone is victimized and bullied, the collateral damage could be like some of the stuff that we just saw in Texas or some, yeah. or some of the stuff that we saw uh, in Connecticut where we had yeah. like 23 people get shot in a school because a kid would, did not have the resiliency to deal with the issue. Yeah. Yep. And that's where I get so, so frustrated too because – we're, as a country, I'm sorry, we're not going to agree on the gun issue. And I don't care when people are out there right now and they're siding immediately when I say the gun issue. We're not going to agree on that. It's a very divided country. But can we agree that we don't want mass shootings and we don't want teen suicide? And it better be everybody in the country said, yes, we can agree on that. So let's work in a system. You keep fighting your gun on either side, you know, but let's work in a system where we can agree. And let's agree that we're going to start combating some of the bullying behavior and we're going to work in the psychology before we get to a pot boil over point. That is these disasters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I truly do. And, and I think that we uh, also, and you can correct me on this uh, because we are in a, see, we, we have this thing called freedom of speech Mm-hmm. And freedom of speech is not the freedom to say what you want, but the wisdom to say what you ought. And yeah. you can't say, you can't walk into Macy's and scream fire. That that, that you can say it, but there's got to be a consequence, especially if there's no fire. Sure. Uh, and I think what happens is we believe we can say what we want to other people. Like it's like you have an opinion. Your opinion is we can agree to disagree, but we can also agree that we don't want to have people getting killed all over the place. Yeah. And that's a very strong, good opinion. It really is. 
But when someone gets gets their nose shoved in their own opinion because somebody else doesn't like it, that's where we got to start drawing the line. Yeah. Yep. I mean, to me, it's so simple. It's like working systems where we can agree, you know, instead of systems where we can't agree, you know. And so if we're not going to agree on that level, you guys keep fighting that on your own, whichever way you want to fight it. And let's work on something we can agree on, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, and so that's the I, I see the world real simple. And then if we can curb some of these behaviors, then we when we curb the collateral impact of such things. And you're right. You can either use the bullying adversity to create this beautiful hearted human being that usually is also helping with the bully dilemma, or it can harden you and make it, make it so you kind of go the opposite direction. You want to do more harm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a flip of the coin. What's the line? Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, exactly. Yep, absolutely. So, and, you know, I haven't gotten a whole lot of, you know, like people that know me really well. I almost think they, you know, like they were all willing to weigh in on this problem that I thought was horrible, too, when we'd have a mass shooting or something and I'd see everything. But very few people want to support people that are trying to work at the basis of this, you know, and I'm not trying to complain that we have a lot of people that listen to our podcast in an extreme amount, you know, for as young as we are, but still all we're asking in the world is pay attention to good stuff. You know, put down the Kardashian remote for a minute and pick up something like your program that's talking about stuff we're going to make a difference with. Or, you know, if we would pay attention to some guy that's broadcasting from Africa right now and he owns, or I mean, he runs an orphanage. Now we start paying attention to that. And guess what? Currents. Mm. That way. And literally, it's just a choice on the remote what we pay attention to. about Because that's how you can support them with zero dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an issue that's, uh, like I said, has been troubling me for a long time. Um, how do we combine the community around us to help help with the issue? How do we get people thinking the same way? In other words, it's not thinking the same way. It's thinking, what can I do to help? And instead of people, uh, let's see, uh, I think egos are pretty big right now. And I think sometimes people want the credit for everything and they don't want to end up working as a team to solve a problem. They want to solve it on their own and take the credit. I think that's part of it. What do you think we can do as a community around this issue to try and help these kids locally in schools? What are some things we could do? Uh, Tyler, did I lose you again? Can you hear me? I can now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, I always hit um, education and awareness is the first step. You know, we have to be education. We have to be aware. If it's something you're passionate about, I'm a firm believer in getting involved with it too, because everything I've ever gotten involved with, it was a different answer than I thought it was. You know, I hated uh, kill shelters, you know, that were around animals. I'm like, how can this place exist? You know, why do we kill animals? Why can't they all be no kill shelters? So you know what I did? I went and volunteered for over a year in the clinic. Now I worked in neutering. I didn't work about putting down dogs. But what I learned there is they don't want to kill animals. They're the last stop in the road. The no kill shelters just say, sorry, inn's closed, you know, and then they go to a kill shelter. And then guess what? the real answer is people need to adopt dogs, you know, and people need to spay and neuter. That's the answer. It's not that kill shelters are a horrible place. So I know that's not bullying, but then my point is to get involved. And on the, um, on the school level, I think, you know, it's so hard because we've got teachers overworked already. Mm -hmm. And we're now asking them to also be aware of bully behavior, you know, mm -hmm. but I think honestly, something around there or being able to have psychologists in the school that are, you know, uh, noticing this behavior, um, getting kids involved in the community, getting them one friend. When you see a kid siloing themselves, that's, that's a clear and present point of their, you know, they're not in the right space if they don't have any friends and they don't have any community. So mm -hmm. being aware of those things, I recently connected with, anti-bully crusaders they had me come on um you know something like a podcast of theirs the other day and their theme for the year which i thought was great is combining forces so i think that everybody together working on a, a similar problem and in 
I'd like to think there's no egos involved. You know, well, like if somebody wants me to go out tomorrow and be at a school, I'll be at a school if they ask me to. If somebody wants me to, mm-hmm. you know, say, Tyler, your podcast is a waste of time. Come help me with this. I would do that if you told me that that was the best way to help, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I think people are ready for that. Mm-hmm. We are, you are listening to Anti-Bullying 101 and we're hearing right now from Tyler Copenhaver Heath. And he believes in investing in people's small business goals and investing in the ripple effect that can create positive change across disadvantaged communities. Tyler, tell us uh, about how we, uh, as a uh, myself, and I mean, I can pretty easily now, I have uh, your email address, but how can we get in touch with you if we want to? How can my listeners get in touch with you? And what's your website? you know, are there any books you have or anything that you got that we would we can get our hands on? Because this has been a very insightful interview. No, I really appreciate that. Um, I do have a blog. I work around a lot around small business, too. So I help a lot of small businesses. I try to educate around small business. I do that on my blog quite often. TylerUriah.com. Um, I also am very accessible, especially on Instagram at TylerUriah. I try to create helpful videos around these subjects that I'm passionate about on TikTok. But reach out to me anytime. If I, I'm glad to have a conversation with somebody about business. I'm glad to have a conversation with somebody about bullying and something going on with your life. I'm even willing, if I have the time, I'll go out there you know, with a, a kid that needs a community. I'll walk into an MMA gym with you. I mean, weightlifting is important in my life. I'll walk into a fitness gym with you if I can help that way. You know, um, So I'm, I'm, I try to be very accessible to people. Very approachable, very nice guy. You got to meet him. I mean, I'm so happy to speak with you uh, and have you on this show. Uh, I learned a lot. I'm sure my listeners did as well. If you're on TikTok, follow me on TikTok, anti-bullying5051. I'll follow you as well. Um, And we'll see. We'll see what we could do to help put an end to this scourge. And, uh, And we need more guys like you out there. And I thank you, Tyler, for all that you do. Uh, send me an email with all of anything else you would like me to include in the podcast description uh, and any links you'd like me to include. I will put that all together for you within the next few days and and I will be sending you a copy of this podcast and it'll be published probably within the next day or two. Oh, great. And, you know, thank you so much for what you're doing. You've been doing it a long time. I bet you know more about the subject than I ever could. So, you know, I appreciate it. Thank you for doing it. Well, we're, we're never too old to learn. And you, you enlightened me today. And I thank you very, very much for being on the show. I'm glad I did. And if you know anybody else that you think would be interested in speaking yeah. on Anti-Bullying 101, please let them know to get in touch with me. And I would gladly interview them as well. Amazing. I do know quite a few people I think you'd really, really like to have on your show. Thank you so much, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. All right. We'll be in touch. Thank you. And you have a absolutely smashing day. Take care. (laughs) You too, please. Bye-bye. Bye. Tyler Copenhaver Heath. And yes. You're still there? Okay. Well yeah. Oh, I got I was gonna do a little extra. I'll do I'll do it at the end. Okay. Thank you. Excellent job, Tyler. Thank you much. Yeah, so good. So good. Um, thank you so much. And then uh, I'll get out of the way, I guess, if you're going to record something. <laughs> that, okay, we'll do. Okay, Take thank, care. Thank you. Bye-bye.